This episode of Butcher's Breakaway is brought to you by you, the fans. You know how to use Patreon at this point. I tell you every single week, if you want to support the show, you know how to do it. We really appreciate it, for real. But if you are in the New York City region on Saturday night, the Rangers are playing the Nashville Predators, and Greg and I are hosting a meetup at Jake's Dilemma in upper New York City. I call it, it's called Uptown, I believe. I think that's what they call it. And you can come meet us, hang out. Other Ranger fans will be drinking, eating food, watching the game. We'll be there at 7 p.m. The game starts at 8. We've done these before at another location, but we've lost every single time. So we've gone to their sister location of the bar, Jake's Dilemma. We've gotten a lot of great feedback. So if you're around, come hang out. Uh, awesome time. Good show today. Greg and I talk about the line changes. Uh, obviously, losing to the Bruins, the Detroit disaster not not so much but we do have ryan hannah of wing wheel podcast come on talk about detroit and uh, what's going on over there as well as we play them again on thursday so we'll prepare for that a lot of topics and if you're in the new york city region on saturday come hang out cannot wait to see you shake my hand fist bump call me an idiot to my face whatever you want to do we'll see you then all right let's get to the show here's mark messier hi everybody it's mark messier and you're listening to blue shirts breakaway the number one rangers podcast Bushwick Breakaway fans, welcome to another week of the Bushwick Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead, and I'm here with my co-host, Greg Kaplan. Gregory, the Rangers, are they dead? Say hello. We should have known they were going to lose on Sunday the second the Jets score went final. New York sports just can't have all that, all those nights. You had Edwin Diaz, you had a Jets win, the Giants were on by. Uh, I think the Knicks hadn't played yet, or did they just lose to the Celtics? One or the other. Two good things happened in New York. I can't remember the last time three good things happened in New York. So I, I had to think we should have known they were going to lose. That's that's kind of on us. It is a little bit on us. I, I cannot deny that. Uh, I don't care about the Jets. The, the Rangers still lost. So is that, what does that mean for me? <laughs> you, Met, you only care about the Mets for my mental well-being. You don't I, care. I, I have no investment in the Mets at all. I just like I, I just know everything about them. This, I will say, I can't, I'll, I'll, I'll say this. I'll say this. We recorded a new back in the New York Groove with our friend Vinny today. Uh, I have the Rays signing Jose Abreu this offseason. Wow. So congratulations. That's a very Rays signing. It's, a big it way. could not be more Rays. That's why I think it's going to happen. It's okay. Liverpool's about to sell to the Rickets, so fuck me, I guess. Uh, oh. We'll see. We'll, oh. See. we'll see. What? Really? The, like the, the Cubs the, owners, the Rickets? One, yes. One of uh, the Liverpool beat writers mentioned them as a potential suitor, so I wanted to blow my brains out. So, <laughs> very cool. I guess... Let, I, who would? Uh, wow. Let's 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 no, get into it. I can't let's, do it. Let's get into it. What would you rather have? The Ricketts or like an oil oligarch? Steve Ballmer. That is the answer. <laughs> <laughs> the answer. The answer Steve, is Steve Ballmer. Steve, Steve, Uncle Stevie Cohen still got a couple million rolling around. Cohen can come, come on down. Family? I will. We will. We will come on over, Cohen. I'm cool. <laughs> no, he, he he can't afford Liverpool. He's still got to pay Jake. So. He's still got to pay Jake. It's true. He's the Bellingham price. All right. This has been enough of uh, enough of a. Total fucking total nonsense start. Let's get to the Rangers. Earlier Wait, today, no, we, posted, didn't, hold on, we didn't we didn't mention Ralph Hudson got fired. My everything about Sunday was a real roller coaster for Greg Kaplan right here. But like Southampton should have won, lost, fired their manager. Betts did terribly in football. Mets sign Edwin Diaz. Rangers fuck your life. That was my Sunday. Yeah, that's, that's not the best. Um, Rangers weird week. Play the Bruins. It feels like there's years in between that they play the Detroit Red Wings. 
even though it was four days. Lose to the Bruins in, in, in what I thought was personally a, a kind of a close game where the Rangers played like shit. Even though like it was 2-2, they had the, they had the chance to win the game. Kind of gets out of hand, and they, they lose. Happens. It happens. We talked a lot about it on OT. But the Bruins are a really good team, and then the Bruins imploded the next day for a million other reasons we'll talk about Inc- later in the podcast. Absolutely incredible. And it's worth pointing out, as we pointed out on, on the OT, the Bruins game was going one way, and then Ryan Lindgren left the Bruins game, and it went a completely other way. And that's not an excuse for the New York Rangers playing a certain way. But it sure did look like especially on defense, the Rangers were just completely out of gas. And how could you not be? You're running five defensemen. I don't know if you saw this, but uh, Adam Fox had a maintenance day today at practice, which is not a surprise because he's playing 26 minutes a night or more. Well, especially since the Rangers essentially just played two games in which they only had five defensemen for a third period. Because they benched Jones. And and by the way, Gallant didn't even know. He was like, ask the defense coach. I don't talk about it. I got to tell you, bull fucking shit. What a liar. Well, it's not even... No, but honestly, this one goes beyond lying. This one... This one annoys me because whether whether you know or not, at some point you take the responsibility of being the head of state for things that happen in-game. It's one thing if he says he doesn't know the Rangers were looking to trade a guy before Chris Story traded him. But for you to sit there and say, I didn't notice, that's more alarming than giving me a bullshit reason for why he wasn't playing. Oh, I don't know. That's a defensive coach's position. I didn't see anything come up in the reports. He just stopped playing. So you're telling me you, the coach of the New York Rangers, don't have a full grip and understanding of what players are playing when for your hockey team in a tie game in the third period? That's more alarming than whatever bullshit reason you could... He could have just said... He wasn't. He didn't look right to me. I thought he could use a breather. It could be a complete and total lie. I'd be for it. I'd be like, I disagree with it, but I at least he gave me a reason. For him to say, shit, I didn't notice. I had no idea. What? What? And then also, for a coach who's so careful about what he says in regards to certain players and their performance in a game, he just fucking destroyed Gord Murphy. Like, he's going to make Gord Murphy answer for something that Gerard Gallant needs to be answering for? What the fuck? It's just so lame. It was lame, but this was the first... Tell me if you think, if you're on the same page here, Greg. I think this was the first statement line change for Gallant in his entire tenure as a New York Ranger coach, where he throws Chris Kreider on the fourth line after after what I believe is a dominant first period from that line. Mika, Kreider, uh, Kako, which has just been... By actually all analytical accounts as well, one of the best lines in the league. They have a poo-poo, total disaster second period where things are not going right. And I think Chris Kreider has actually been sneaky good this year, despite the puck not going in the back of the net. But I guess Gallant saw something he didn't like about Chris Kreider, throws him on the fourth line with Julian Gauthier and Ryan Carpenter. And by the way, that's not the only thing that happened. Everything gets messed up, and the lines that came out today from practice are, woo, really crazy. So we'll talk about them in a couple minutes. But... Chris Kreider goes down, break everything up. Rangers keep the game tied, losing overtime. But that's the first time Gallant has kind of quote unquote sent a message to at least a veteran as much as as far as I can remember. It's the veteran point is the important point because you said is this the first time he's really sent a message? And it's no. We we're not too far removed from having to come on OTs or podcasts and bemoaning Ryan Reeves getting minutes on the top line because the Rangers felt a child wasn't playing well or something along those lines. He sent 
messages to this team before. He hasn't sent messages to veterans before. I think he's tried it occasionally uh, when Miller and Truba have had some rough games, and they've had some rough games. It's Truba who goes down as opposed to some other player, and he is the man wearing the C on the chest. So I think Gallant was hoping that message would translate to the rest of the lineup. But in reality, it, it, it doesn't seem to be landing. Um, I, I'll say this. We're going to get into the lines later from practice. I really like the lines from practice today, which feels crazy to say. I but do to like your, them too. They're to, kind of tasty. To your point about that top line, this is this is the real crux of the... It's not even eye test versus charts. It's just the top line continues to play well without putting the puck in the back of the net. But at some point, you have to put the puck in the back of the net. I, I it's it's difficult. It's it's not even like they're not getting bad looks. It, it's not even like they're they're forcing shots. It's just that shots that went in last year just aren't this year. Now, do I think Chris Kreider played poorly? Um, to be deserving of a fourth-line demotion? I don't think so. But I also think if you look at the three players that make up that top line and you're like, Jesus Christ, we need to do something to get this puck in the back of the net, I'd say Kreider's the one that had to move. Can't be Kako. He's the one playing the best. It's not going to be Zibanejad because you don't have the type of center depth that you do at wing. But if you have that Artemi Panarin bullet and you can move him up, yeah, it's really obvious who the guy is that needs to go down. Oh, first of all, I, and I have to get this off my chest. Panarin Zibanejad Kako is a dream for me. I mean, I've been waiting for this for years. <laughs> it's, it's. I like Panarin and Kako together. I've been super vocal about this over the years. So everybody knows. And I think Kako's been maybe the second best forward on the team for the last week and a half outside oh, I, of Panarin. I'll go. I'll go. With, I think. I think Kako's been it with a bullet. It's crazy. I I don't. He's second in the whole entire NHL in chances created, scoring chances created to only Jack Hughes. There's some poetry there for you. <laughs> um, so uh, it is very fun to just have him become what he's becoming, which is a puck dominant player. Who, who by the way, could could maybe force his way onto a power play. I thought he had no ever, no chance of ever being on. He's going to have to keep doing this for a couple more weeks, but then we'll have that discussion. Let's go through the lines real quick because they're super tasty. Panarin's a bit of Jack Kako, and then uh, the second line, I believe, is uh, Lafreniere, Trocek, VC, then Kreider, Hedl, Kraftsoff, Blay, Carpenter, Goodrow. Julian Gauthier is day-to-day with an upper body injury. I have to imagine that is when he one-handed it to the net and got full-speared by another player, <laughs> Detroit, who also hurt himself, and Reeves is a scratch. Like it. I like it a lot. Yeah, the, uh, I'll say this. Uh, it's Man, it's tough. I, as much as I like VC and like what he's been doing this year, it's still tough to see him in a top six. But if you're putting Trocek, I, like that line could essentially become a shutdown line, and then Lafreniere can play his more natural left side. He's a different be, player on the left. He just is. So he, I hate he to feel Simmons in. He is, and you know, even if Trocek has a more defensive emphasis to his game, what seemingly is right now, he's still a supremely talented offensive player himself. So it's like you get two parts defense, two parts offense from three players, which is wonderful. But that third line is super spicy, and it's oh, it's spicy. Kreider, Hedl, Kraftstoff. If Kraftstoff does anything, and I, I, 
I love Kraftsoff's attitude this year. Hey, I don't want to talk about the injuries anymore. He's kind of cheery. He just wants to fucking play. Just wants to play. He just wants to shut up and play the game. Yeah. That's all I've ever wanted out of Kraftsoff. And here we are. But Heedle is another level this year. And to I think Heedle can really get Kreider going. I like that pairing a lot. Well, just let's 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 think about the things that are truly failing, if we want to use the term failing, each of those lines so far before this shakeup. On the top line, it essentially comes down to Mika Zibanejad is not scoring at five on five. Okay, we've ran into this problem before. And what have I said on the podcast that he needs to do in order to keep get back shooting? And keep fucking shooting. So what do you do in order to encourage him to keep fucking shooting? Put him with the biggest and most obvious playmaker the New York Rangers have. You know who's going to find Mika Zibanejad in open ice better than anybody else? Artemi Panarin, Panarin, my man. Just keep feeding Mika shots. Sooner or later, they're going to start going in. Don't worry about Mika when he is in scoring slumps. The key is to shoot yourself out of the slump. So you fix that problem seemingly by putting him with the number one uh, scoring opportunity creator in Capococco and the guy who looks to make plays more than anybody else and is the most unselfish player on the Rangers in Artemi Panarin. That's line number one. Line number two. What was failing line number two? It's probably that Alexi Lafreniere, whether we like it or not, is not comfortable playing on the right side. So you flip him over to the left side, his more comfortable side. You're now freeing him up to be more creative and more natural in the offensive zone. And you're putting him with Vincent Trocek, who is going to, again, watch his ass defensively and crash the net like a fucking madman offensively, which is something Lafreniere... And, and VC can also play defense for Lafreniere. Yes. yes. Big and deal. V- and VC, VC is a guy who... At this point in his career, he knows where he needs to be. He knows where he needs... I know where you're going with the Heedle thing, and I love it. Nail it, nail it. Finish it home. The speed. The speed, it's just like, how the fuck are you going to keep up with Heedle and Kreider? Like, what? Like, these are two fucking piss missiles. Krasov is going to have a real problem. Like, I just... Here's the problem. Krasov doesn't need to. Krasov will be like, you two charging it like a madman. If there's a rebound, I'm going to take it, and I'm going to top shelf this motherfucker. Like well, this is this is what Vince said when we talked to him. The two fastest players on the team are Heedle and Kreider. It's not close. Yes, and now they're just going to be asked to run down the ice like madmen, create scoring opportunities for yourselves, and then Krasov will clean up whatever mess you have. But more importantly, we've bemoaned that, I, I wouldn't say bemoaned, but we've just said there was a clear line on this Ranger team where they tried to stack the lineup. Our best six players are going to play in our top six. And it looked great. It, it's looked great. The goals haven't been there, but the individual performances have looked fine. The problem is, especially with Heedle out, you jump down to that bottom six, and it becomes a bit of a cesspool where you're kind of praying to God that Julian Gauthier, of all people, can do something. Now, well, it, he, can I can hold on? Can I interrupt you real quick? Because the sure. one thing I think is super interesting is the only player I'm not really fond of in this lineup right now is Sammy Blay. I understand that he's still recovering from the uh, the ACL surgery. He's still getting his legs back and all that. But if Sammy Blay was the extra skater, and you moved VC down to that fourth line, and put Kravstov up to the second line on the right wing. So that mean, you mean you get Lafreniere, Trocek, Kravstov on that second line, where they said they were going to play Kravstov the second line all year. Totally fine. That means your third line is Kreider, Hedl, Gauthier. And that line is just a pile of meat coming at you at the highest speed possible. That is enticing. I do wonder, though, if that's, like, too much similarity in one thing. Where Pile it's like, of meat line is one of my favorite things I've ever seen. <laughs> I know, but, like, just think think of how that looks. Kreider's going to run like a madman and then stop in the crease. Philip Heedle's going to run like a madman 
and make some crazy moves around the crease and then skate around the goal. And Julian Goche is going to run like a madman exactly at the crease and forget to turn. It's and three homing missiles, Greg. That's it. I know, but one of the homing missiles might hurt one of the other homing <laughs> missiles. Is <laughs> the problem. I would just and like I, to visually see it. That's all. I, it, it, it would look great, but the clear line for us was, boy, if the top six isn't producing, the power play isn't producing, the Rangers aren't going to score goals. Well, what's one way to fix that? Create a third line that is as dangerous as either of your top two lines. And by putting, I, to me, I don't see it as a demotion for Kreider. He's still going to play 18 minutes a night because he's still going to be on PP1, which is fine. It's where he's going to get the majority of his goals. But now you're taking him down further in the lineup, creating more length in your lineup, forcing other teams to really, again, we know Gerard Gallant, more than any other coach, likes to go one two three four one two three four one two three four one two three four. That's his fucking dream. When he counts sheep, it's not actually sheep. It's him listing Rangers in the order in which they come out onto the ice. I and don't he, know. He just, he's not sure. What, well, the forwards pairs, he knows. The forwards. The forwards. <laughs> the defenseman, he has got no fucking idea because he's a fucking... Listen, look at that face. That's a one-way looking man. That man's got no peripherals. It's one. It, he's got blinders for life. But anyway... Think of it this way, Ryan, a, t- a, ma- a coach who just loves rolling lines in the exact order in which they appear. Line number one, you have Panarin, Zibanejad, Kako. Jesus fucking Christ, how are you going to keep them from scoring? That's the thought of the opposing team. Line number two, you have Lafreniere, Trocek, VC. They're going to be a pain in my fucking ass defensively, and I got to worry about the former number one overall pick on the left wing who's just going to have the freedom to do whatever the fuck he wants offensively. Oh, and Trocek is a pain in the fucking ass, and he might just check me from behind for no fucking reason. And I got to worry about that. And then line number three, here are my two fastest players, and one of them's a psychopath who might just start fucking speaking Portuguese on you, and you're going to have to deal with his fat ass in front of a goalie. And if you survive that, it's like, oh, by the way, Sammy Blay, he does one thing well, and it hits you really fucking hard right in the goddamn face. Those are your four lines. And if you survive those four lines, one, two, three, four, congratulations. You get Zibanejad, Panarin, and Kako, and you start it all over again. It's a nightmare. It is a matchup nightmare. And when you're not scoring goals consistently, despite creating offensive chances, you have two options. You can either just pray to the shooting percentages gods that it turns around, and in all likelihood it would have. Or you can say, you know what? I can use this as an opportunity to make my lineup deeper and have players play more natural roles with different linemates. How many times last year, Ryan, did we bemoan the we New York Rangers? We asked to experiment. We did. Yeah. We've asked to ex- Everybody has to experiment. And now that they're experimenting, some people are like, well, I think you're being too hard on Kreider. Uh, no. Well, you're not being too hard on Kreider, even though he's been analytically great. He just wants more out of him. I get that. I'm not bemoaning Gallant for de- demoting Kreider and calling him out. Kreider can handle it. He's an adult. He's totally fine. He'll be fine. Yeah. But the, the Rangers have statistically and analytically led the league in a lot of different categories. I don't even know what any of these stats are that a hockey stat might pose. CF percentage, FF percentage, XGF, FCF, HDFC. They're all green. But the one thing they're not doing well right now is shooting well and getting pucks in the back of the net. They will do that. I'm not worried. I'm not worried. Yeah, it's but again, like you could either. I'm all for stacking the lineup. I it, it it makes the most sense to me. Oh, my six players will play the most. That's great. But it's a long season, and I'd rather create more fear up and down the lineup in the way that I can. I want now. Would I put Chris Kreider on a third line if his line mates were Barclay Goodrow and Jimmy VC? No. But with Hedl and Kravtsov both being back, you have an opportunity to have nine truly gifted players 
that can all do something in the offensive zone. And if the weak link there is Jimmy VC, who I at least know is going to be defensively responsible, I'm happy as a fucking clam. And I know that the top guys, Kreider playing the third line, his minutes per night will go down by like two because the Rangers are still going to draw penalties and his ass is still going to be on PP1. And you know what? That's great. I love it. How many times do we have to talk about playing guys or not playing guys in certain situations in order to save their legs? If I could save Chris Kreider two minutes a night at 5v5 just so I can accentuate my third line and keep him fresh for opportunities to score on the power play, Ryan, I'm good, baby. This it's a long great. season. Keep going. I, shit, take Adam Fox off the penalty kill sometimes. Let the, uh, let I mean, the man I, breathe. I wish I could, but they just can't. They just, again, how many times do we have to say it on this year's pod? Everybody wants to say, oh, the Rangers, they need they need Kane. They need another goal scorer. They need this. The Rangers need a fucking defenseman. Oh, they are one injury away from disaster. We're already here. Ryan Lindgren's out of the lineup, and everyone's like, what do we do? It's, it's <laughs> Lever Hayek again? And by the way, Lever Hayek didn't get benched. Zach Jones got benched. <laughs> even, so, Ryan, live in the world where Zach Jones, he didn't have that great of a game. I'm not saying he shouldn't have gotten benched, but I'm saying you now live in a world where Ryan Lindgren is too hard to play, and Zach Jones, you would like to be able to not have to keep playing him when he's having an off night. But that leaves you with five defensemen, and one of them's Lieber Hayek. And I know. you don't want to play and, him. And they're playing Schneider with Fox. Like, Honestly, hey, get up there. Like, it's just... It's, it's like this, wild. <laughs> you realize that all of a sudden, the Rangers start the game with five defensemen. One of them's playing poorly, and all of a sudden, all you have are four. The New York Rangers need a defenseman. This is the guy they need. And here's the even worse news, Ryan. They can't fucking afford one! Because he's injured! It's and by terrible. the way... They're not saving any goddamn money because there's 23 people on the they roster. They can't afford anything. It's, it's almost like signing both Ryan Reeves and Sammy Play doesn't make any sense. It is crazy. <laughs> it's just, it is wild. Uh, but oh, no, God. It's like the, the, the forwards, the lines, I really liked them in practice. I really did. I think it's creative. I think it's interesting. And I think you're creating three deep lines all with the upside to score. My problem with this team, or my problem with this team, is continue to be defensively. Because Jacob Truba, whether I love him or not, having a rough start to the season, New York Rangers can't afford it. Like, they don't have... It's You, you lost Ryan Lindgren. It's just Adam Fox and Keandre Miller at this point. Like, it, that's it. Truba, right now, the way he's playing, he is an offensive defenseman. He is there he, to do things. I, dude, I laugh so hard whenever I see Trubo touch the puck because he is a first-touch puck shooter. There's no it's handling of that puck. It is immediate slap shot. But you know what? I got to tell you, Ryan, when the Rangers aren't putting shots in the back of that, that's what you fucking need. I you get need it. the guy not afraid I, to shoot. It's just funny. It's just funny. And he has he has had a lot of mistakes. And now he's become the whipping boy of Twitter, which I don't think is fair. And I've been very clear over the past couple of years, I'm not the biggest Truba stand there is. I'm not like a huge Truba fan or defender. But even right now, I know he's having mental errors, but you need him to be really good, to be the Truba he was last year. Because if he's not, boy, this team is in trouble. That's yeah, sure. it's To me, it's kind of similar to how like Met fans were extremely hard on Francisco Lindor in 2021. It's like we paid this guy and he's doing this. Like, relax, guys. He's a highly talented hockey player. He's going to be. Fun. You and I agree that Jacob Trouba is not an eight million dollar player, and that they thought the cap was going to go up when they signed him. They tried well, to do fair by him. He's no, like but, a six million dollar defenseman, and that he's still really good. I'm not saying he's not. He he's an eight million dollar player in the pre pandemic world. He was worth every cent of that contract when the Rangers signed it to him. You can't predict the salary cap magically is going to stop going up. Like 
Jacob Trouba should not yes. be one of the highest paid defensemen in the National Hockey League. We all agree with that. When the Rangers signed him, he wasn't going to be one of the highest paid defensemen in the National Hockey League. He was going to be paid like a second line defenseman. That's what he was paid to do. Like he's not making significantly more if, than Brady. If the Shane. cap goes up, Adam Fox would have been making twelve million dollars this year. Period. Yeah, easy. Easy. Like in some ways it's helped the Rangers because the cap will eventually go back up and now Adam Fox is underpaid. But in at the time the Rangers signed Jacob Truba, they did not sign Jacob Truba to be one of the ten highest paid defensemen in the National Hockey League. The cap was supposed to keep going up, and then it didn't because there was a pandemic and hockey owners cried poor, even though they're not. That's the best part about this. So it's I'm done talking about the contract. We've litigated it as many times as you want. Fact of the matter is Jacob Truba's had a rough start to the season. Do I think that's going to continue? Fucking no. I think he's going to be the player he was last year, which was really good. So I'm good on that front. My problem with the defenseman is all of a sudden the Rangers are playing six guys, two of which it's clear they don't have confidence in, and one of which it, there is arguably the linchpin of everything they like to do because Ryan Lindgren covers a lot of holes in different places for this team. So all of a sudden, with Ryan Lindgren out of the lineup, you're playing four defensemen. And it's just one of them looked gassed by April of his last season. And now you're playing him. It's really cute when MSG is like, wow, he's getting a lot of run. He has 30 minutes a night, blah, blah, blah. This shit's going to add up, Ryan. If oh, it adds bring up. someone in. It adds up. Uh, it adds up in career miles. It adds up. Uh, there's a lot. We'll get into Adam Fox another day. Let's do some five-star questions. Let's do some uh, five-star questions. We talked about the fourth line earlier. Jay Play asks, if you want to leave a five-star question, you can go to Patreon, blah, blah, blah. Who cares? Uh, well, I mean, I, I kind of do care. Okay, I, you're I right. Go to Patreon, subscribe, become a subscriber, pay less than it costs to get verified, and then get her access to BSBOTs and leave five-star questions on our Discord. You, you know, I'm really happy you're now at a point where you can joke about having to pay for verification because once upon well, a time, sir. Well, it's it's coming. So that's in a five-star question. Don't worry. Here we go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Jay Play asks, Reeves is 1.8 million, Blay, Blay is 1.5, Goodrow is 3.6, Carpenter is 70, uh, 750K. I know some of these guys move between the lines, but that, for the most part, that's our fourth line. That seems like a huge overpay for the fourth line. What are your thoughts? Uh, I think we agree with you. We're not I, uh, Here's the thing. Goodrow, Goodrow, you can make the case. The 3.6 for Goodrow. Goodrow's Goodrow, not really here. Goodrow's here to play the fourth line when everything's hunky-dory. But he's the guy you can confidently move up and down lineup. And we've already said that's an overpay. As for everybody else, that's kind of what the fourth... It's really just Goodrow because that's what the fourth line makes. And like, Reeves, like, extending him before before anything else was ridiculous at the time. Yes. It was ridiculous at the like, time. Tyler, this that, is like... Sammy Blay is making about what Tyler Mott is going to make this year. Yeah, Blay, the Blay one is is fine. He just hasn't been the player that the Rangers thought he'd be. I think, that, I think the Rangers thought he would be a middle six winger that had a lot of value at that dollar amount. That has think, not been the case. Well, the, pro- the problem is, yes, because they thought he was going to recover from a knee injury hunky-dory and it would be fine. Like we talked about on the pod last week, it's just like we've gotten so used to people having ACL injuries that we forget it takes a long time for people to come back from ACL injuries. But I don't know. I, those are price tags I'd expect to pay for fourth-line players. Like, I, I don't know what else you would really... The Goodrow part of it, which we've called an overpay, he's not the traditional... The Rangers aren't paying him to be a traditional fourth-line guy, which is how they justify that contract. But everybody else, that's kind of what I expect fourth-line guys to make. 
Is box the season? He asks. This season has been the worst puck luck of any team I've witnessed so far. Can you think of another team that had this kind of fire on on fire offense, but abnormally low of goals to show for it? And if they did end up with the chips fell, so how did they end up where the chips fell at the end of the season? Uh, I, they're gonna, dude. They're gonna score. It's coming. It's all coming. The, the team is too talented. It, they're gonna. There's gonna be a stretch that comes. I don't know December where the Rangers are gonna win like seven games in a row. And like, actually, this team is good. That that's I'm not worried at all. I'm really not. Yeah, he's good. I, I it's funny to think about compare where we were last year when the Rangers were ex- almost the exact same record. I think they were after 13 games they were seven three and three. Where now they are six four and two. I- incredibly identical records. Uh, one more point last year as opposed to this year. Um, think about what we were talking about in terms of that team. This team had five five on five stinks. They're going to be reliant on Igor playing out of his mind and an incredibly good power play unit. And those things are unsustainable. And for the most part, those things are unsustainable. Um, Now think of how we're talking about this team. This team looks great and they just can't fucking score a puck, but they look great. And we know that that is also not sustainable. The puck staying out of the net as much as it does for the New York Rangers right now. So would I rather have, it's funny to say, would I rather have a team that is, winning despite itself or a team that is essentially losing despite itself. I'm more confident in the team that's losing in spite of, because I know it's going to turn around. Whereas last year, a lot of things had to go right in order for it to continue. Now, a lot of things did end up going right, but that is not replicable. What the Rangers are doing this year is replicable because the goals are going to come. Next question is from Holmes. Will Ryan drop $8 a month to keep his check mark? Well, as of... Hey, man, it's uh, your money. You can do whatever the fuck you want with it. 11 uh, Apparently, they're not charging people who already have check marks. What? And, yep. As, as, there's been a report today. Oh they still God. can't figure it out. So uh, if I will pay the $8, especially if it comes with some sort of money that comes, maybe chance I can make money off of it, I will pay it. I will pay $8 for reinvestment. It's an investment on my part. Uh-huh. That's all. Um, but yeah, I'll probably pay because I'm a sheep. Yeah, well, uh, I, well, now, will I pay $8 to get the blue check mark? Fucking no. I'd rather lose that money on bets every day of my life. <laughs> every day of my life. <laughs> um, Woody Sweats asks, you both mentioned Bill Simmons on the show. While there may be different opinions on his depth of knowledge of basketball, he seems to devour it and surround himself with basketball minds. Is there an NHL equivalent who looks at the bigger picture, does it well, and has connections to actually good NHL analysts? Uh, boy, not particularly. Uh, listen, I'll be straight up. I don't listen to a lot of other hockey podcasts. Uh, I'd listen to 32 thoughts for on and off for a while. I think there are, I think puck soup had a time in the sun. I think that time it personally has passed. Mm-hmm. There are, there are good people that you should follow and that are super fun. Like Valaket, he's fucking awesome. But I, I don't really know someone that does this for the entire league very well. Well, because it, it has to be a guy who like, Simmons isn't a credentialed columnist, right? He would write words, but he was essentially the most handsomely paid blogger in existence. Right. He's a Boston sports fan who, through the Boston sports renaissance, did a very good job at building multiple websites and then selling to Spotify during the podcast boom. Now, he is a very very informed fan, and he does hide his um, Celtics... I don't think he ever hides it, but he at least can objectively look at something and say, this is good, even if it hurts the Celtics. And he is a historian of the game in many ways. Yes. I mean, I I love the book of basketball. I devour that shit. It's wonderful. And I'm not even that big 
of a basketball fan. Do I think hockey has someone like that? Someone who I would consider not a reporter, not an insider, but a fan who worked his way into the inner circle? No, I, I, I don't think hockey has that. I think there will there will come a day where a former player like Chicklets, I know they have a huge following. I do, but I don't think I don't think former players can fall into that. Because there are plenty of former players who make You're right. good careers are, for themselves. Right. And they will always protect certain things, whereas that's not the case. Yeah, yeah like, I'm not Keith I'm Hernandez not sure. Keith Hernandez would not fall into this category. You're right. Yeah, I, the the short answer for me is no. Is no. I I, 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 I do I think it's possible? Yeah. I, I think we're becoming smarter with how people cover hockey. And I think the entry point into hockey, the bar is lowering. Like You'll if, two, see, if yes. two idiots like us can make money off it, then anyone can make money off it. Yeah, and you'll see it it won't be this like people will agonize age, but coming up there will be like a younger generation of some of people that have a better handle of social media that will probably be the people that break this NHL podcasting or coverage thing. But it won't be yeah. Greg and I, that's for sure. No, no. But also, uh, like, what you have to consider Bill Simmons did successfully is Bill Simmons became bigger than just the Celtics. Whereas you and I will never become bigger than the Rangers. That's just never going to happen. Yeah, Simmons, uh, I think he made $200 million plus on selling to Spotify. So good yeah, on him. I think he, he did. Good on you, buddy. Uh, <laughs> good job by you. Good job by you. So uh, I'm a Simmons fanboy, by the way. I hate I myself. Still, so. I, still, I think the only reason I'm still an NFL fan is because I listen to guest lines. With His cousin Sal is unbelievable. I love yeah. when he shits on Simmons. That's, it's why it's why I'm such like, I will have Eddie Spaghetti on this podcast every week if I have to, just because I loving cousin Sal makes me love everything cousin Sal touches. And Eddie Spaghetti is just, High caliber guy. Also, you know, we haven't talked about it on the show. We should fix it, fit it in right here uh, in five star questions. Because uh, bringing up Eddie reminded me of this. Stop blaming Yaro Halak for anything that happened in that Detroit game. Oh, yeah. No way. Don't do it. Totally fine. He great, deserved, great performance. Deserved the win. The Red Wings had what? Uh, I think Valley said they had a expected goal around five. I think they had under five. I think it was 14 high danger shots or yeah. 11, maybe. So, yeah. The reason ridiculous. why the New York Rangers lost to the Detroit Red Wings has nothing to do with Yaro Halak. And if you're worried that the New York Rangers are 0 4 with Yaro Halak in net, I stopped caring about pitcher win loss records when Jacob DeGrom went 10 and 9. So, I'm, I'm good. I'm done judging a goalie or a starting pitcher based on how many games they've won or lost on the record because that doesn't tell me how the team played around them. Halak is fine, he looked great. That was the Halak I was expecting when the Rangers signed him. If he keeps playing like that, the New York Rangers are going to win more times than they lose. This is from Bretley. Which one-dimensional third-line player would you rather have on this team right now, Goodrow or Vetrano? They actually have similar cat hit, cap hits, and Vetrano's deal is shorter by two or three years. As crazy as it is, Goodrow. Yeah, I think so, too. I, I, I'm with you. Uh, my gut reaction, like looking at it, I was like, oh, it's probably... And then I just thought for a minute, it's like, I think Goodrow, even though the contract's a little longer, I think it's still tradable. In, in in many ways. The only the only reason why this is even in a conversation right now is because the New York Rangers aren't don't have a lot of puck puck luck. And you know Frank Vetrano is a guy that will keep shooting said puck. Goodrow does a lot of things that don't show up on the analytics or the score sheet, and I know that sounds stupid for a lot of chart boy people. Um and I, I'm not I'm not anti chart boy by the way. I am thorough analytics. I just don't understand them because I'm an idiot. Uh but Goodrow does a lot that Vetrano can't do. It's really important. Well Goodrow <sighs> I mean, to me, it just comes down to if the Rangers need Frank Vetrano or a player like Frank Vetrano to be scoring goals to win, so many other things have failed. So I don't really like 
it's not valuable to me because like Vetrano should never be one of the six most important scorers on this team. And that still accounts for right now. Like the New York Rangers will get better, not because they have a guy like Frank Vetrano, but because Mika Zibanejad, Chris Kreider, Kapokako, Alexei Lafreniere, Artemi Panera, and Vincent Trocek, so on and so forth, are actually scoring goals. Whereas Barclay Goodrow is killing penalties, is defensively responsible at the end of games, is a guy I trust to win a face-off when I absolutely need to win a face-off. He checks more boxes for me, whereas Vetrano, like he's a one-trick pony. And the problem is right now that trick seems really important because the Rangers don't have a lot of luck going their way. But when things are going as normal, it's Barclay Goodrow 10 times out of 10. This is from Ryan Scafuri. Oh, God. Let's, let's go with that. Sure. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Ryan. We do Great first name, though. Well, well, I think Gallant is a good coach. I think the one thing he's awful about is using timeouts. He lets the team spiral when they go through a bad stretch of play as opposed to ever using his timeout to get them back in a little bit relaxed. Am I crazy, or do you guys see the same? We absolutely see the same, but I think the one thing he likes to use timeouts for, and he's kind of understood this as like his one playbook move, is how do I keep power play one out for four minutes? <laughs> that's what that's when he uses the timeout. Outside yeah. of that, I, I actually don't think it's just him, by the way. I think a yeah. lot of hockey oh, no, coaches I think don't it's do the this. entire league. I don't know anyone yes. who likes to use their timeouts. Like we in every other sport, like baseball, we analyze when to and when not to challenge. In football, we analyze when to and when not to call a timeout. In basketball, we understand that for the most part, timeouts are either to stop a scoring drive or to uh, to get like the ball moved up possession-wise late uh, with under two minutes to go. Like We understand all that. In hockey, it's almost like the timeout is an inconvenience, and it's weird, but like I don't know. The thing, if you want to pinpoint something like a dead puck moment that still frustrates with drug Gallant is you get a commercial timeout and he's still sending out the fourth line for an offensive zone faceoff. Like that is stuff that pisses me off with Gerard Gallant. When he uses and doesn't use a timeout, I can't be overly critical about him because I don't think any coach knows when to or not to use a timeout. It's from SVS uh, 2112. Hey guys, while I still think the team will be fine, Something seems off at 5v5. All the metrics are really solid, but watching the games, there is a lack of getting to the slot area and not very much in a way of chances on the rush. There is too much perimeter circling, point shots, and dinging for rebounds. Am I crazy? Have you seen this also? Go Jets, except for Zach Wilson. Uh, I, I think that's kind of like the east to west, north south kind of play that a lot of people talk about, and I think it's just been fine. I think that's the team the way it's designed. They don't they don't have like a lot of net front guys except for Kreider and sometimes Kako. That's just not what they do. But they it's not like they're lacking chances, and that's not like they can't create play. They're they have a lot of skilled players. Maybe they're they're not doing the grinding, but the the points will come. I'm not worried. Yeah, I I don't think they're doing anything. They haven't done offensively. It's just the puck isn't going in the net, so we're trying to nitpick. I really do think it's that simple. I agreed. I have no notes. Like the offense, for the most part, is fine. I think they're going to eventually start scoring quite a bit of goals. It just isn't happening right now, and you're trying to find an excuse that isn't luck related. But and Kako did score like off a rebound, and he was right in front of the net, etc. Whatever. Yeah, I, uh, I'm, I'm fine with how they are trying to create their shot opportunities because I'm confident at some point those shots are going in. So it's, I'm not going to nitpick the style in which they are getting there. I just think they need a score. Last question from Jay White, 11 Greg and Ryan, you want a boat party. Who are the four New York athletes that you are bringing with you? Uh, oh, boy. So all uh, sports? I guess all New York sports. You know what's Does crazy? Jets, Jets and Giants I, count? Or Jersey? Well, right, let's count them. 
You know right. what's crazy? I don't think there's a player on the Knicks I would want to bring to this party. Isn't that nuts? That is kind of nuts. Yeah, I, my case would be Barrett, and that's about it. I, yeah, but I, he's Canadian. I think he might be lame. Yeah, Labette's though. Uh, <laughs> I could have any beer. Who that's true. That's true. You're right. Um, that's, that's not your thing. All right, four New York athletes. Yeah, so who's your Met? <laughs> you think there's one? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think, oh god, it would be. I think Lindor would be a hell of a fun time. Yeah, he's had a lot of commercials recently. Seems charismatic. Yeah, a lot of New Balance in my life. I don't own anything New Balance, and I feel bad about it. Actually, I might own New Balance shoes. Now I think about it. I think Lindor's in there for sure. Um, I think Scherzer would be in there for sure because Scherzer is just a wild card. See, here's That's the thing. Rough. Here's the thing. Like, what's the night I'm going for? You know who I would really want to put together? Scherzer and Kreider. I think that would be a fascinating <laughs> That's a evening. psycho. Yeah. Like, I don't know how that evening I, goes. But do you know I'm how sure it goes? You get to the boat and you go down below and you're like, where's the party? And there's actually, just Scherzer and Kreider playing chess while also playing instruments. No, but like, like, there's also a chance that they've actually turned the boat into a submarine and they found a shipwreck. Yeah, and what's like, going on? There's a chance that a night with Scherzer and Kreider turns into Uncharted. And I'm willing to take that chance. Uh, I So like... Those two, and then if I have Kreider, I need to have Mika. And if I have Scherzer, I need to have, I guess, Tomas Nito because I don't think they go anywhere without each other. Um, so, like, those are the it, – it just depends on the night I'm going for. Like, Lindor and Panarin are another two that I would like to combine, and I think that would be a hilarious night. Yeah, like, my, my gut reaction is, like, definitely just take the Russians. Like, that's how I'm just going at it. I'm just like, hey, let's just get Kraft off. Let's just get Shesterkin and Tammy Panarin. Let's go have a great time. Let's, let's look at it from this perspective. What would be the, the biggest star power but the lamest night where, like, nothing fun actually happens? I think it's Aaron Judge, Pete Alonzo. R.J. Uh, Barrett. R.J. Barrett and Mika Zibanejad, where I just don't think anything – like, everybody it's, it's, has a good time. But yes. nothing happens. Super polite, like maybe three or four curse words. <laughs> like and they're all from Pete, and they're all being like, do you guys like when I created Let's Fucking Go Mets? Wasn't that funny? Like, it would be a fun night, and they're all stars, and they're all incredible. But now, like the lamest night ever. Like, wild card night, Scherzer, Kreider, Harrison Bader would probably be on there. He's a psychopath. Oh, you, that's oh, sure. you need – well, if we're bringing Bader, we got to bring Adam – no, <laughs> Harrison Bader and Adam Fox, find me two more Jews. I'm going to have a great time. It's going to be a fucking bar mitzvah. Uh, yeah, I, and then like a night where I'd want to just like sink the boat, Kyrie Irving and nobody else. I'd there you like, go. I'd like the boat to sink, and I'd Tony Soprano that motherfucker. It, real it's quick. funny. I didn't even think of any nets. <laughs> Why would you? We should have. Oh, we probably should have put. Well, no. If you're having the worst, if you want to have the worst night possible, it's simple. Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, Ben Simmons, and Steve Nash. Just put those four on the boat and just have be miserable the entire time. God bless you, Steve, for getting out of there. Uh, you're fired. I am? Great news. All right. Um, <laughs> oh, I don't have to quit? You're going to keep paying me? This is wonderful. This is awesome. I, I Oh, I'm a legend and I'm probably get another job or do whatever that fuck I want? Mm. Cool. Mm. Uh, before we get to our interview with Ryan Hanna of Wingwheel Podcast, if you are free on Saturday night in the New York area, Jake's Dilemma. We will be there at 7 p.m. We'll do a watch-along for the New York Rangers versus the Nashville Predators. The game starts at 8. We'll be there at 7. We're doing drinks. Come by. I said it in the open as well, but we'll talk about it then. So, uh, any other things before we get to Ryan, Greg? Um, no, that's that's largely it. We talk a lot. The first 30 minutes with Ryan are purely about the Rangers, the Red Wings, the National Hockey League. And then we do talk about the Bruins and Kyrie Irving after that. And I'm not nice about it. So if you guys don't want to listen to that, this is my warning to tell you right now to turn this podcast off with 10 minutes to go. Sweet. 
All right, we'll we'll uh, we'll be back. Two seconds. Jake Salama drinking, food, Rangers hanging out with the guys and girls all night long, or whatever, or the the dogs. People bring their dogs. Can you bring dogs? You cannot bring dogs. Jake Salama. I'm not like. Do if not it's bring a your service dog. Am, am, animal, am, animal, 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 animal. If it's a Let's, service animal, uh, I think it's. I don't know. I don't want to tell you no, but I also don't want to tell you yes. But just bring your person and come and have a good time. That's all I ask. All right, we'll see you guys there, and let's transition over to Ryan Hanna. Here we go. Transition. And we're back with our first guest, recurring guest, Ryan Hanna of Winged Wheeled Podcast, the also number one independent podcast for a team sport of hockey for Detroit Red Wings. Ryan, welcome back. Uh, Thanks so much for having me, guys. And as always, you do a better job of advertising my show than I do, so I appreciate you getting on that. Wouldn't have thought to say anything nice. Uh, we say nice things about, you know, listen, there's a lot of media companies out there that are trying to bring us down. And yet us little independents who work day jobs do yeah. this, these stupid shows every week because they make us happy. <laughs> Question happy. No, they, no, they don't. <laughs> um, the Red Wings of the Rangers are playing a sandwich series, a.k.a. the Rangers have a game in between playing the Detroit Red Wings twice. They lost in what I would call disappointing fashion versus the Red Wings. The They lost an overtime to a, a penalty that was fair. I'm not calling it unfair. Uh, and then they were like, hey, maybe it's not a goal. And then they made the whole crowd wait for a couple minutes. And they were like, actually, the goal's good. Go home. <laughs> so uh, where did you stand just overall in the game? Were there immediate takeaways from you from the Ranger side of thing? Uh, yeah, let's start there. Well, first of all, I, I thought it was a little rude that they proposed uh even just the notion that the game might come back after yarrow halak destroyed his stick into a trillion pieces i thought that was pretty funny i I agree with you uh listen halak played one of the best games i've seen him play even though he's destroyed the rangers a million quite good yeah Uh, yeah, he was quite good he was quite good all night and i understand why he destroyed the stick i totally get it uh it was a performance that he needed the rangers needed and they got a point not what he wanted yeah, and you know, you, it's funny that you mentioned that the game was a disappointing loss because that's pretty much what we talked about on the Winged Wheel podcast, where the team is right now, the Red Wings, they're not constructed like the Rangers, like they don't have the luxury of a Panarin and a Zibanejad and, 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 uh, let alone Shesterkin or everyone else. So pretty much what they have to do against teams like the Rangers is frustrate the hell out of them, clog up the middle, uh, move aggressively to uh, challenge the, the puck carrier, especially the points and uh, pretty much just try to break through the goalie. So I was actually kind of surprised that that game turned into a win. It was just the small moments that the Red Wings capitalized on. So from a Ranger perspective, if I'm a Rangers fan, I'm not, you know, it's not the end of the world. Uh, I, I know there was Kreider at one point got moved down to the fourth line and Gallant had some uh, funny words about that. But it, it's just one of those games where a few bounces or a few key plays could have gone differently, and, and it is what it is. The The Rangers ran into a much better Detroit special teams, especially power play than we've seen consistently all season. So, well, let's, let's investigate that a little bit because I got news for you. Some Ranger fans, uh, was the end of the world. It actually ended on November 5th or 6th, whatever yesterday was 2022. So good run for those guys, but I, I, I want your perspective. We've been trying to get this perspective from just about every guest we've had on the last couple weeks here, because Ryan and I have kind of been like, Relax, chill. It's game number 13. There's nothing to freak out about. So getting a perspective from a non-Ranger fan or analyst or what have you about the New York Rangers, your impression of the New York Rangers based on the 3-2 overtime victory by the Detroit Red Wings is what? Uh, A good team that didn't play their best game 
should they have shown up better? Yeah. Would I be concerned long term if I'm a Rangers fan? No. I mean, I'm not going to pretend to know the nuances of what has gone into Kreider's game this season where Gallant got to the point where he put him down on the fourth line. But at the same time, the Rangers are sitting third in the Metro right now. Look at it this way. You're not the Leafs. And that's all We're you not. have to lose. I We're actually not. think the Leafs have uh, one more point than them. But so that joke kind of fell flat on its face. But We're not the look, Bruins either, though. So that's good. Mm-hmm. No, which could have meant two different things depending on whether you you said that 96 hours ago or 24 hours ago or now. Uh, Look, the the Rangers have a lot of superstar players. Like They have a lot of key players, elite players, that Detroit or any other team that might muck it up and steal a win from them would fall over themselves to try to get. So the tools are there and you don't have to... The Rangers aren't in a place where Detroit is now where they essentially have to try to be greater than the sum of their parts to to get a good result. The Rangers are in a place where no, all, all the, all the parts are there and it's just about putting it together and you have a whole season ahead of you. And don't forget how strong the East is this, this year compared to the West. Like it's it is insane. It is wild. It's insane. You and I have DM'd a bunch in the past about players. The Rangers might've had for trade. And we've come on this podcast in the past and talked about possible rookies that could be for trade mm-hmm. because the Rangers have been in trade rumors before. And there's one name that's come up uh, constantly over the past couple of years when it comes to enticing, rookies and or younger players and that's Capococco. this year Capococco has decided that i think he re- remembers how to play hockey at an extremely high level not that yeah, he, he was, was bad impressive. last year he's uh but this year he looks like a man when you last denied you when you and i last spoke about Capococco, you were like okay the rangers are, could trade him what would it take and the answer was we couldn't really find a deal i totally understand I, you know who i am with Capococco. what mm. was your impression watching him just first the Red Wings yesterday, I think he was the best Ranger player on the ice. No, oh, I, I completely agree. He was noticeable from the start. Obviously, he had that um, highlight diving play uh, to stop the, I think it was a three-on-two or something, where he, it was basically a coach's dream watching that play. A skilled player who maybe hasn't shown up a lot in the past, sacrificing, diving forward to, to break up and make a defensive stop, and immediately got up and turned around. I thought, you know, Kako, the same thing that you had just said where it's like, oh, this guy remembered that he's actually a really, really great hockey player. And I hope he continues this because I I hate the trend of people just giving up on super talented players so early in their career. Like it is the hardest league in the world to play in and their kids. Uh, but no, Kako, I'm, I'm very happy that, uh, well, as a Red Wings fan, I was kind of hoping that Steve Eisenman would be able to steal him for a pittance, but uh, he had his chance. It's not like the Rangers like they definitely were open to it. He was going to be part of maybe an Eichel deal, possibly. It was definitely yeah. rumored. There was a lot of options to take Capo, Capo off the hands, and now I think the Rangers kind of look look at their right wing depth and go, I think it's just him. <laughs> That's I, it. And and I hope he continues this trend of of being one of the Rangers' surprising best player. Not because I'm necessarily sitting here rooting for the Rangers, but I like to root for the player, and he's a good one. I love his game. Um, I, I actually stirred up. I think I'm guilty of stirring up a lot more Kako conversation over the off season and before he had his contract, especially. And that was purely. I, I want you both, Ryan and Greg, to know that was purely revenge for all the damn Larkin trade conversation yeah, that you inflicted onto us. <laughs> totally understand. <laughs> so it was, it was out of thin air, and, and that was purely out of spite. Listen, well, it, it's reasonable. Yeah. Go on, Greg. Well, I was just going to say, I, that brings me to one of my next questions. How nice is it for you to have a full season here? Not just where the Red Wings are a much more improved team. You are free of Larkin trade conversation. You're good. You don't got to worry about it all year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but the context behind that may, has me sweating a little bit. So for the, the listeners who don't know, Larkin currently has uh, no trade protection right now which kicked in uh, as of the uh, 
July 1st or the offseason, whenever that, that triggered. So uh, he's still without a contract, and he's still very much on pace for over 100 points. And Steve Eisenman is still one of the most hard-nosed GMs when it comes into locking his guy in at his price. Uh, that rumored number is probably closer to $8 million nine million i'd guess and that's probably not what larkin's camp wants based on what Mar- matt barzell and similar players have had so i don't know that i'd call it uh, a calm season greg for sure my heart rate's higher than i'd like it to be but let me let me follow that up with this question can you think of a player arzman has ever lost well i, under- I understand, walk, I, understand right? the old, I understand the old florida tax aspect of this but let, let's be honest i the Lightning have found very creative ways to keep every player they've ever wanted. The ones Iserman lets walk, there's usually a reason why he lets them walk. So I, while I, I understand what you're saying that, you know, Dil, until Dylan Larkin signs, you're going to be worried about whether Dylan Larkin signs. But mm-hmm. whether whether it's a player always coming down to Iserman's number or Iserman relenting even a little bit, I'm hard-pressed to think of a time in which Steve Iserman has lost one of his quote-unquote guys. And you're right. Like I, the story that gets told constantly is he let Stamkos walk out the door. It's not that he didn't let Stamkos leave. He let Stamkos leave the building, and Stamkos chose to return. He saw something in Toronto that horrified him, and he came right back. Um, <laughs> is that true? I don't know that story. Well, they they he met with other teams, and Toronto was one of them, and they pitched him. And I actually remember this was early days of the Winged Wheel podcast where uh, they traded Datsuk his contract essentially to make room for for Stamkos, and they didn't even get in the room with him. And that was probably the end of a lot of people's patience with uh, with the previous regime and, and Red Wings management. But yeah, he he let Stamkos go all the way to unrestricted free agency. He met with other teams and he came back to Tampa Bay at essentially Tampa's number with Eisenman and uh, Breezebois and everyone else over there. Or, I believe it was Breezebois at the time, but still. Uh, yeah, that's, that's Eisenman's MO. He's not afraid to do it. The problem is, like, I think you're right, Greg. I, I think I'm hard-pressed to find a way where, considering everything about Larkin and the fact that he's the captain and from Michigan and everything about the way this team is constructed, I don't think this is going to go badly. But this isn't the Tampa situation. The Red Wings just went out and spent on free agents, and that won't make sense if they lose their only number one center on the team. Like It just throws a huge wrench into things. So it's a big, scary possibility that there's a thick wall of glass between us and that reality, but you can still see it. Interesting. So who's a, who's like your second line or center or who's the center of the future on the team right now? Is there a prospect you guys are really hyping up? Like for us, Philip Hedel, even though we just signed Trocek for seven years, uh, has kind of been our player to watch. Who is that on the Red Wings? Well, the second line center, courtesy of the New York Rangers, is uh, Andrew Kopp right now. And he was signed for more uh, more term than I think people were hoping, but at the same time, the second line center last year was Pew Suter, which five years of cop is totally fine. Uh, it's Trocheck for Trocheck for seven is a lot more. Like, not that I have been un- upset with Trocheck and the Rangers. I think their window is this year, next year, and the year after. And after that, uh, Chris Dury will maybe be on an island or sipping a margarita as somebody else runs the team. <laughs> maybe that's the case. But cop uh, for five years is much easier to stomach than a seven-year contract for a center. And here's the the rough plan. Cop is he still has a lot of good years ahead of him. But if at any point you know he falls off and they have to move him to wing, and he's a super versatile player, as you guys know, uh, they saw they drafted Marco Casper last year, and uh, Marco Casper plays a Steve Eisenman Detroit Red Wings style game. He's uh, extremely intelligent player, very responsible both ends of the ice, gets to the middle to the dirty areas, plays a hard nosed game, and is kind of like one of those 
calculated pinballs where he's always playing at 110%, uh, but not recklessly. And the idea is that he will eventually be a top six center with uh, Dylan Larkin there for the Red Wings. So if he comes in with good timing, he can split that middle six center role with Kopp. Uh, who knows how Valeno will can continue to develop. I wouldn't pin him as a top six center, but you know, you never want to rule it out and there's always drafts to come, but yeah, it's, it's currently cop and in the future they're hoping it's Casper. Obviously here in New York, we have plenty of young defensemen that we're excited about probably none more right now than Keandre Miller. And what I've learned over the years in which we've done this podcast is very few sports, even including baseball are more, secular and regional than the National Hockey League, where you're aware of things happening in your direct vicinity. But I think the league as a whole still has a huge problem with opening the door to everything happening beyond your, let's say, your blackout restrictions. So this is a very long lead in to ask you the question, are we talking enough about Moritz Sider? Or do we still need to be like, this guy is one of the three best defensemen in the National Hockey League? Uh, well, last season, had you asked me that, I would have been banging the table to say, no, we're not talking about Mo Sider enough. Uh, this year, I'd say everyone just, it's okay if you're not talking about him right now. He's not been bad, but he's just had a slower start to the season in terms of his offensive production. All the talent in the world is still there, and he still has an extremely bright future ahead of him. Uh, he's currently just overthinking things a little bit, especially offensively. It's gotten better over the last few games. It, it started to pick up, but to start the season, you could see him double clutching you can see him try to make something out of nothing which on defense is sometimes a recipe for disaster sometimes he can dance out of it but you don't want to be doing that all the time as a defenseman otherwise you're going to get burned and he has been so uh are we talking about Mo Sider enough in general I, I can't say no to that he won the Calder um right now though there's not a lot of hype around him and it's because he's been a little bit more of a molasses start but I wouldn't be surprised if in a couple of weeks we're we're going to start to see more of the Moritz Sider from last season is that do you think that's a case of every now and then this happens in every league but a player starts hearing what's being said about them it gets in their head a little bit and they start trying to play to a perception as opposed to playing to just playing for lack of a better term I mean obviously this yeah. has happened on the Rangers more times than not you could probably say this happened to Capococco earlier in his career but sometimes letting the noise in even when it's compliments can screw a player up a little bit yeah look greg anyone who who tells you that that's not a real thing is wrong like i i say people any windwheel podcast listeners listening to this are going to punch their screen for what i'm about to say but hockey's a very human sport and it's it's very mental so that's absolutely real but i cannot pretend to know if that's what's going on insider's head and i don't think it is if i had to guess like they have a brand new coach in Derek Lalone, and he's implemented brand new systems to the point where even the most casual fan can see. Uh, and, and that's in the defensive zone. That's with breakouts. That's with everything. He has a new partner in Ben Sherratt. There's just a whole new look team around him. And plus, the NHL has a year of tape on this guy, and he won the Calder Trophy. Like They're going hard after him. So not only do they know his game, uh, they're they're pressing him harder than most other players. And yeah, I mean, I guess there probably is a lot of pressure. Like you achieved pretty much everything you could have hoped to have achieved uh, if you're Mo Sider as a as a rookie, and you want to make sure that you're not uh, slowing that down. And yeah, I mean, hockey players are are notorious for getting in their own heads. It's it doesn't seem to be, you know, it's nothing to to raise alarms about though. 
Speaking of players uh, we don't talk enough about, last year I couldn't hear or I couldn't avoid hearing about Lucas Raymond, and I just don't see that as much as I used to, even though I follow you. Is there a reason for that? Uh, similar thing to Sider. He had a uh, slower start to the year. Some of it was bad puck luck, but a lot of the, I actually think he had a few really bad games to, to start the season. Um, the, the, the thing I mentioned about the other teams having you know more tape on him, that applies even more so to to Raymond they have been collapsing on him hard like they've been taking away his space and playing him hard so noticeably and that started at the latter half of last season Uh, but he had a two-goal game uh, a little while back and he's looked rejuvenated in like last year's Lucas Raymond ever since he let up Matt Barzell which I'm sure you guys would love to hear uh, in a 3-0 win over the Islanders you know he's getting in the other team's uh, business he's scoring goals he's contributing on the power play uh he over the last week or two especially Raymond has really picked it up but yeah I, I think he had an even slower start than than Mo Sider. so let me let me uh let me ask you a question here Ryan uh you mentioned two very young players who have extremely high upsides that aren't having the start of the year that you would have imagined <laughs> and you would have expected uh are Red Ring fans panicking or are they kind of just normal and understand that it's very early in the season um they, there's more panic than I would have thought, but I also think there's way more attention on this Red Wings team than there has been in a decade. So I'm going to attribute the the panic and any overreactions to just more fans streaming in. So there's it's just a little bit of a louder volume. But in general, everyone is just very happy with any win, and, and there's a lot of patience still. The Red Wings fandom has gone through six or seven or eight or however many years of pretty terrible hockey. So they're they're relatively understanding still at this point that why is it like not okay in ago. new york <laughs> uh it wasn't you know lafreniere listen you may have heard this lafreniere and capococco don't p- play on the power play and if you're yeah. like a chart boy and you like report <laughs> on prospects and stuff like that you'll be like well these guys suck because they don't have points it's like okay well <laughs> uh, do yeah. they suck i'm not really so sure lafreniere isn't a right winger and they're making him play right wing right now so just just some things to think about that's what i had 19 goals last year it just never fails. I really want like a 30 for 30 on just the first few years of Lafreniere and Kako's careers in New York. Like it, it's just so bizarre to me that it's happening to very at varying degrees to both of them at the same time. There's, there's no every other team that would have drafted them would have had a spot for them on the power play period. And that is yeah. and not only and, and of the top six. Like honestly, Ryan, you, you say that that'd be the most boring 30 for 30 I've ever seen. Like it's, it, it's just, it's a team that shouldn't have two top picks that, that they didn't even trade for. Because think of it from the perspective of if, even if a me, great man. team traded for those picks, they are trading assets that open up a spot for those picks. And the Rangers were just gifted two top picks on a team that shouldn't be getting those picks based on the caliber of their roster. Because of the pandemic and because of luck. That's it. Mm. The, the, the Ranger team that got Kako sucked straight. Like they sucked. Yeah. Um, did they deserve to win the lottery? I don't know. Lafreniere won is bullshit for sure, <laughs> but we got him. That's I'm it. chewing on my lip pretty hard right now. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, my my apologies. Hey, hey, Red Wings fan, the Red Wings made out okay. You know, they're not upset with Lucas Raymond. No, or or Cider. I mean, they're yeah. both amazing players. Um, and there are players, there are teams that pass on Cal McCarr. So think about that. That yep. sucks. Um, when you look at this Ranger team, though, or when you rather when you look at the East. Uh, we talked about how good the East is earlier. I think the Rangers are a top three team in the Metro. Who is the team right now outside of the Bruins that you see is the most scary? 
it's tough because it's been such a mess. Look, I'm I've been a big uh if New Jersey gets their goaltending, they are a horrifyingly, you know, talented team. Yeah, I have them in the fourth of Metro at the beginning of the season, and now it's kind of like, ooh, if they I got keep bullied. This going. I got bullied into having them way lower, and I'm angry that I capitulated to my stupid co-hosts uh, who do a great job with me, Brad and Evan. But uh, no, <laughs> but they're stupid. You, but they're stupid. Uh, but if the New Jersey Devils keep up, like that is, there is so much talent that is still getting better on that team. It's for years to come. So you, the generic answer here is, you know, Carolina. But I, I think New Jersey is could be the quote unquote, and I hate this term, spooky team. They're a little scary. I don't know. I think I, I'm the, the devils to me are a team where like the proof has to be in the pudding where I just won't for believe sure. it until game 82. I don't think flyers yeah. have 14 points right now for everyone listening. Just put it out there. <laughs> Thanks to Carter Hart and the fear of John Tortorella showing up to a player's house at night. And listen, that's the recipe for success. There's yeah. nothing else. <laughs> a horrifying coach and an unreal goalie. <laughs> you're going to, you're going to steal some points. Rangers have done that in the past as you, as you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I look I look up and down the Atlantic and the Metro right now. It's such a better division than the West. It's it's so ridiculous. The Red Wings are sitting second right now. Where do you expect realistically? I mean, the Leafs can't stay like this. They're they're gaining some steam. The Lightning have to come on, right? Do you do you expect right now to stay in uh, maybe be like the seventh or eighth seed in this East? Uh, no, I'm not putting money on that. Um. They've been getting some pretty fantastic goaltending from Vili Husso. So if Vili Husso stays at this level, which I'm not saying is impossible, then yeah, I'll change my tune and I'll have egg on my face and I'll say this team can push for a wild card spot. But then we're also to- talking about some pretty serious Vesna votes for Vili Husso. Uh, a lot of these games, like the win against the Rangers, you know, the win against the Washington Capitals uh, a couple games prior, a lot of the Red Wings wins have been... They did just enough on offense. The goalie kept them in it, even though they got outplayed, and then they got a break in their way. Like, and they their their systems are designed around that to basically just hang on and frustrate the other teams who are on paper better. Uh, I just don't see that as holding as a recipe for success over the whole season. And that's not a coaching failure. It's just that the team is not the personnel is not there yet. So I had the Red Wings at around sixth in their division. Um, I could see them maybe as high as fifth if Florida or Tampa or whoever just completely screws up. Um, I think Ottawa is probably going to turn it around and, and challenge for that those bottom like fifth or sixth at some point. Buffalo is right there as well. I'd put Detroit out of a playoff spot and likely around six in the division. That was my preseason prediction, so I'm going to stick with that. Walk me through the scenario of Thursday's game. Obviously, the Rangers have a game in between, so a lot can change between now and then. Still the same playbook for you guys, kind of muddy the game up as best as possible, take advantage of your high-danger opportunities, hopefully draw enough penalties to excel on the special teams? Or did you find something in the Rangers game that you feel like, oh, we can exploit this a little bit here? No, no, it's going to be a lot of the same. And let's be real, I think the Rangers were still the better team. Um in Detroit's OT went over them. Uh, Derek Lalonde will have the advantage of uh, home ice, so he'll be able to get some more ideal matchups, but go up and down both lineups right now. Like Detroit is hurting. They have uh, Tyler Bertuzzi out, they have Jacob Verano. They have a lot of uh, injuries kind of plaguing what they want as an ideal uh, four lines. Elmer Soderblom had a hot start to the season, but he's not exactly um, tearing it up right now. He's still adjusting to the NHL pace. So all that is a long way to say, 
uh, no, there's not like some secret New York weakness that they discovered. I think what they're actually going to run into is a very motivated Rangers squad who's going to say we should not have lost to these Red Wings on Sunday, and uh, they're going to have to try to use home ice to their advantage. I imagine you'll see Billy Husso in net for that game as well. Um, you want the stronger goal, and he's been stronger than Nedeljkovic so far, and it's going to be a lot of the same strategy. I really like Huso, except I didn't know he was on Detroit when we mentioned him a couple weeks ago on this show. <laughs> we had no idea. I was like, yeah, the Blues have Huso. I don't know. That's pretty good. And yeah, no, they, they very much still have Bennington, and uh, Detroit traded a pick for the rights to Huso and signed him, and then you heard uh, a bunch of screams coming in the from the direction of Toronto, Ontario. What, you don't <laughs> think Matt Murray's good enough for them? Are you saying oh, something there? Oh, God. I understand goal. What about the Leafs, Ryan? What about the Leafs? <laughs> have you noticed a, a, a trend? I have a friend who's promised to donate money to the charity we, we raise money for every time I bring up the Leafs on our podcast, so I'll have to send him this. <laughs> that team is is just... If you want a 30 for 30, we'll need about 10 of them to understand what the hell's going on at the Leafs. But yeah, that I can't imagine... I understand the reasoning behind it, but Kyle Dubas's job right now is based on the goaltending in Toronto, which is currently Colgren and Keith Petrozelli, who is a... F- former Red Wings pick who walked away in free agency without ever signing. So it's not going great. I don't know. The, the, I still think that the problem in Toronto is not the team, if that makes sense. It's like if you were to put every three, if you were to make three categories, the team, the fans, and the media, I think the team is the, is the lowest of the problems. I think the media and the fans create these narratives around the team that simply don't exist. But they've done it so well and so loudly that now it's almost like perception becomes reality, if that makes sense. Do I think there is an unholy, just sickening amount of attention given to the Leafs in a way where it creates just like terrible, terrible uh, noise for the players? Some like A lot of it's good. They're rabid. They love their Leafs and, and credit to them. But I do think that team faces quite almost an unrivaled I think Montreal and New York are, are some of the only other teams who could even think about what those what that media market is like yeah I, I think all of that's true but you know the best teams in the league and the ones that win the cup are the ones who who get through it and shut it out and don't let it affect themselves like why is Mitch Marner even acknowledging you know some of the things that the media is saying about him or them in a press in a press interview I think Marner I love Marner's game he's one of my favorite players to watch in the league but it's in their heads. It's in their heads. So I, I actually disagree a little bit, Greg. I, I think it's it is the team, um, and that's because they have to find a way to overcome this this mental game and, and get it done. You I got a counterpoint for this league. I got a counterpoint for you, Ryan. I don't think it's the teams that are able to block out the media that excel in this league. I think it's the teams that don't have media that excel in this league. <laughs> Denver, you think they're writing about the Avalanche? They got Russell Wilson twelve months a year. Well, f- first off, Greg, Denver, the Avalanche. They get blacked out from their own fans. Their own fans can't even watch the games. They won the fucking cup. <laughs> they can't yeah. watch the games. Yeah. Altitude and, and, hockey. Let's and ride. They're, and they're, they're, they're so perplexed that they have the one poor owner in baseball that they don't have time to worry about the avalanche. And then look at Tampa Bay. Jesus Christ, they broke up Tom and Giselle. You think they care about the lightning? <laughs> uh. Well, I mean, the, the, the income tax is, is probably a big benefit there, too. Would, would their lives be easier if they didn't have to answer questions and deal with the, uh, the whims of the fan base? Oh, hell yeah, absolutely. But that's, that's the world, man. They, they, they have to. 
They've Tampa Bay didn't out. allow opposing fans in until last year for the playoffs. They Matt, do whatever they want. <laughs> I still like, loathe that rule. I can't stand it. I it's think ridiculous. The, if well, it's, I, I was, if I'll we say weren't this. fans, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I'll just I'll just say this. There's, I what Tampa did is wrong. You got to let opposing fans in there. But I still think I, I understand it'll never happen in the United States because we have the, the sections. I agree there. with you, Greg. Yeah, like, it's 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 what they do in uh, international soccer and European. Well, not international soccer, just European soccer, where away fans get their own section. It's cordoned off from the home fans. Home fans get their turf. Away fans get their turf. That's it. And I wish that would happen in the. It never will. Because we have secondary ticket markets. So you don't know who's selling what to what fan. And the teams don't have control over where tickets are going. So I get that. Capitalism. How great. However, I do think it's just a more enjoyable experience, not just for home fans, but away fans. Like, I I would love to go to a game in Philadelphia. I don't want to sit next to anybody from Philadelphia. I have no interest. I have... (laughs) Zero interest. It will end poorly for me. It'll end poorly for that person. But if all of a sudden they were to make a section in the stadium that are like New York fans can sit here, fantastic. That's a wonderful idea. I won't have to worry about throwing a fucking punch at someone's face because they just simply smelled Philadelphian to me. So it's just, it's a great idea. I get it'll never happen, but it's my dream. That and that and bringing over the loan system from European soccer as well. Those are my two big dreams. If I was ever sports star of the United States, I would bring in the loan system and I would bring in Corden fans. That's my dream. The loan, loan system, system is so good. It's so good. It's such a good um, idea. Like, hey, you get, we'll take your captain that isn't going to resign just for this year. And at the end of the year, you can have him back. That's it. Oh, man. I can hear for the hockey old heads trying to throttle their phones listening to this right now. <laughs> Well, we just talked like, about it. Yeah, just like nauseam. imagine who, who's a team playing really shitty right now? The Capitals. Imagine their season continues to go to shit. And they're like, well, under no circumstance are we going to trade Alex Ovechkin. But, but we'll, we can we'll loan, him, loan out. him out for half a season for X amount of draft picks. And then he comes back and we're letting him chase a cup and we're getting him back at the end of the year and our fans can still love him. You're telling oh, me man. you're not in for that? I can't tell you how much I hate this idea. No, come on. <laughs> <laughs> no, this Sick. I'm I'm actually very guilty of being like a hockey purist, like old school. What I grew up with is what I want forever. And just like the the and it's easier said because we are, are fans and, and we cover original six teams, so there's a lot more history there. But just the idea of ever having loaned out Pavel Datsuk or Nick Lidstrom or Steve Eisman just makes me sick. I'm all I would it. loan Keandre Miller out for a second round pick right now. Oh, maybe I do like the idea. <laughs> if, if the Rangers were out of it, if like here, take Keandre Miller for a half a year. Awesome. Or just, or just here's our Temi Panarin for half a year, and now I'm going to be able to play Alex Alexei Lafreniere in my top six to figure out if he can play up here. All while I know Panarin's coming back, and by the way, I'm keeping Panarin happy because he gets to play playoff hockey while my team stinks. This is a league where they won't even do sign offer sheets in case they offend another oh, GM. They had oh, the God. first sign and trade ever in history this year. Yeah. Yes. The, Ryan, the amount of time we've had the poo-poo fans being like, no, no, the Rangers can get Patrick Kane because it'll be a three-team deal. I'm like, yeah, fucking right. Okay? Yeah. I know what league I cover here. It's not the NBA. I get yeah, you don't understand, Ryan, you don't understand. Arizona's the third team. They eat 25%. And the other team eats 25%. They meet together at the middle. They do financial income assessments. And it's like, no, dude. That's no. not how this works. No, no. It's, too, it's far too boring. They have no imagination when it comes to that. It's ridiculous. 
Um, yeah. Is there a big trade that Detroit's going to do this year? Is there someone they're going to trade out? Is there Are they looking to improve and go somewhere? Or is it going to be a hockey trade? What's the big rumor for Detroit this year? Look, I don't want to feed the rumors because I, I, I don't want to get people get the impression that I'm hearing anything. Like, this is purely my uh, speculation. But the Larkin negotiations are ongoing, and we know that. And it's, it's trending towards, although difficult, him re-signing. There is nothing yet on Tyler Bertuzzi. Knowing the history of how difficult his conversations have been in, in past uh, contract negotiations with the team, and the fact that the clock is running out here, they can trade Tyler Bertuzzi. There's not the same no trade protection that there is on Dylan Larkin. And I think, you know, health has to be considered here first because he's currently out with what I think is a broken hand. Whatever. If we come to the trade deadline and he's not re-signed, people are going to be falling over themselves to trade for Tyler Bertuzzi. And at that point, Steve Eisenman will have the chance to either make a hockey trade if he still really likes where the team is, or if the team's out of it, he can say, nope, I want to add more uh, younger weapons to kind of move the uh, success window of this team back a little bit younger. But yeah, Tyler Bertuzzi is the biggest name there. You're just not hearing much because he's out for uh, a little while yet with a, a broken hand wrist, whatever it is. I do wonder if Detroit... I doubt their opinions. I, it's the National Hockey League. I doubt anything actually changed. But as a uh, pontificator of the National Hockey League, I can at least wonder if Detroit at all got just frustrated that Bertuzzi was like the my body, my rights guy when it came to getting vaccinated. Oh, they're, yeah, the, like the, he, they, the team was frustrated with the decision. Like that is well known. And, it, you know, it wasn't just the team. There was, I've, I've actually had a few conversations with, a team that wasn't even dealing with Detroit. They don't even play Detroit a lot. And there was conversations there about how it, it had nothing to do with the medical part of this. So before you, the listener, starts to look up me and where I live and, and send your lovely messages, it's not at all uh, a reaction to the medical decision. It was this guy made a decision where and he wouldn't play X number of games for our team. And they just had a hard time uh, coming to terms with that. So, you know, Steve Eisenman <laughs> would have told you he was frustrated, but yeah, the response from the organization definitely wasn't pleasant. Is oh, that factoring God. in now? I'm not sure. Cause he had himself one hell of a season right after that. Right. So, um, but it didn't make things easier. I just, I, I forget sometimes that we're dealing with the national hockey league and it's not like this guy isn't trying to protect his own body against the virus. And it's a, this guy is letting down his teammates by not putting anything in his body in order to play. Like I, Man, I love sports. What a world we live in. What a world we get to cover on a weekly basis. Yeah, it, it was uh, unsurprising. Like, the whole thing was just kind of like, yeah, of course, they they care about him playing games. And what the conversations were behind closed doors, I won't pretend to to know. It's not even the, like, the top 10 worst story in sports in the past oh, two geez. years. <laughs> I, almost, I almost missed when that was a conversation. My God. Yeah, it's like... I mean, I, there was, there's in other sports just this month, I think there's five that are worse than that story. I'm sorry. So, there's a story in the National Hockey League that's worse than that story right now. That's correct. Uh, boy, the Bruins, baby. Uh, the, oh, some of the yeah. reporting that Brooks did today where it's like, hey, they had to approve this in the Central Registry. So uh, what's up with that is a very interesting tweet. <laughs> that's, that's all I'll say. It's okay, NHL. It, everyone here involved in that process screwed up. Like, there, there's. There's no innocent party where they're like, I don't know how this slid past Ryan, me. I had no ex- awareness. They did not expect uh, people to actually care. Yeah. That, yeah. That's what it had to be. That's a predict. Like, I mean, I think Cam Neely said that outright. He's like, we didn't think people would have this bad of a response. 
Yeah, well, it's yeah. just a prospect, guys. Relax. Like, yeah, uh, well. I mean, you can't you can't sit here and say the new information is oh we didn't talk to the family. Yeah, buddy, you made an active choice not to talk to the family. That's not new uh, yeah, information. Uh, a Twitter reporter with nine thousand followers and uh, an old school non eight dollar check mark reached out to the family and they responded in five minutes. Okay, all right. Yeah, cool. yeah. This I don't really understand that if you're the Bruins for so many reasons, but like right now when you are the probably the best team in the league or up there. Also a great story and a great locker room. No matter oh what anybody says about Brad Marchand, like apparently exactly. he's an amazing dude off the ice. So what the hell like, are you doing? If Patrice Bergeron is doing his best to contain his massive contempt for the decision you made, what the hell are you doing? I don't, yeah. I don't know how the Jacobs family runs the team. I know Jeremy Jacobs has passed it to his family, but, um, uh, th- there has to be some kind of change between Sweeney and Neely, and I don't buy either of them trying to to point fingers at at the well, other. Is like, this guy even like a first round pick? Like, yeah, what is well, what are you know, doing? Th- that's actually the point I'm making here. It's, it's like we all understand that you know everything that's happening with Kyrie Irving right now. You, the three of us, can sit here and say he's probably going to get another shot in the NBA because he's a supremely talented basketball player despite him being what he is an anti-semite no call it what it is motherfuckers anti-semitic all right i i was giving you the privilege as it affects you you more than i thank you as a member of the tribe that motherfucker is a hateful piece of shit and i hope he rots in fucking hell which i don't believe in because that's not in my book anyway (laughs) uh, but it's like i understand as a human being that some organization is going to talk themselves into saying this guy can help me win a title so I'm going to swallow this fucking bullshit that's coming my way. It's not even bullshit. It's rightful criticism. And I'm going to do it because he could help. Miller is like a fringe NHL regular. Like you're, you're yeah, it's a roll of the dice where say we live in this utopian world where these allegations either never come to light or heaven forbid this kid never did this shit. He was probably a second round pick and he got pushed all the way back because He's a horrible human being, but like, my God, you're adding a prospect to your pool where you're not even guaranteed of getting an NHL regular and you're willing to do that with everything surrounding him. That is a level of arrogance that I will never be able to relate to. I will never be that confident that I can fuck up or do something this huge and think, no, I'll be fine. The thing about Miller is like, he is a... I, I agree with you, Greg. Like, I, I don't think it was worth it. But I'll tell you why teams wanted to do it. And I say teams because there were more than one team going after him, which is why the Bruins gave him that mu- the max amount of money and, and a signing bonus, and they signed him before a primetime game against Toronto so they, there would be the media attention because they felt pressured. Uh, he set the USHL record for, I think, goals and points by a defenseman. I think he was player, player and defenseman of the year in the USHL, and he's a right-shot D-man. Teams are going to wrongly look past all of these serious transgressions that have not been you know made right in Mitchell Miller's history because they say oh productive right shot defenseman maybe this guy should have been a first round pick I will say I, I do think he was you know probably had the talent to play uh, as an NHL regular and that's why you saw them do it it was uh, they thought they could just kind of squeeze it past everyone Ryan I, I really hope the other teams come out I'll just say that Really no, would love won't. to know. They won't. Um, <laughs> unless the Bruins try to do it to save face, but no, no, I don't think they will. 
at this point they might. <laughs> at this point they're like well the Leafs were gonna sign him like okay here we go <laughs> I I hope although I don't know I don't know if any of us <laughs> maybe the monkey paw is gonna curl and then I'm gonna have to something to cover on the podcast so I'm, I'm gonna keep my mouth oh shut. well the Ragers I mean we've covered a lot of weird shit from this team yeah <laughs> a lot <laughs> I don't know if you remember 2020 but there was like literally a Russian dictator trying to take out our star player There's yeah that was that, a, lot that, a lot that went on we've covered a lot that was man they had to shoot that damn gorilla in 2016, huh? Yeah, that's all it was, man. Arrested Peter Rambe. Yeah, somebody. Ryan, we've kept you 10 minutes too long, and I'm so sorry. We just got on a rant. Um, no, no, anything it's not you'd too like long. To plug before we get out of here. Uh, yeah, I mean, and the better Ryan would do a better job of it. But uh, Winged Wheel Podcast, um, all things Detroit Red Wings and the NHL. And if you just generally like meatheads like these two, well, that's the Detroit Red Wings version. So wherever you find your podcast, uh, WingedWheelPodcast.com to get all the extra information the, the site has everything for you and we're on youtube as well so yeah and uh, i think we have to swap places i think we have to have you guys on the show again soon so let's do that we will be there uh just just for the record their website is sweet and they're the only independent podcast that outcharts us sometimes so there you go <laughs> i'm i'm happy it's us in in concert with all the other big companies you know with ad budgets it's one of my favorite things we, we ever see. It's like Barstool, Sportsnet, Canada, the Sharks, <laughs> Ryan, me and Greg, Ryan, Hannah. It's like, okay. <laughs> Wild times. It uh, makes Ryan, it worth it. Pre- it does. It does. It's, it's super nice. Uh, can't appreciate you enough. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. Hey, it is the end of the show where I thank a lot of people. NHL Insiders Club. I say their name. I probably say it wrong, and I do it very quickly. But I like to thank them personally as we've been doing this show for almost seven years. Next week, I'll have a, a much more in-depth monologue. Uh, and it'll probably be a little emotional. But for this week, I'm just going to say some names. So without further ado, I've been saying without further ado a lot recently. But I am going to tell a funny story after this, which you might enjoy. So stay, stay tuned. Adam Cassidy, Adam Cohen, Adam Cretulo, Adam Keach, Alex Flynn, Alex Gardner, Anthony Terragata, Tanagata, Tanagreta. Oh my God, I don't know why I called you Terragata. Do I do that every week? Anthony Tanagreta? Is it, there's an end there? There's no way I do that every week. Ben Waters, Ben Weber, Phil Hurtel, Brendan Lekos, Brendan Magnum, Brett Gardner, Brett, Gra- Brett Gardner, Brett Granger. Oh my God. What is wrong with me? I'm not re-recording. Brett McGinnis, Brian Doyle, Brian, Brian Gallagher, Brian Mallon, Chris Finelli, Chris Howard, CJ Stellwagen, Conrad B. Damage, Daniel Dezen, David Naradin, De- uh, David Siegel. I'm in, a, I'm in a flow now. Dennis Deitz, Darian, Dar- Eric Stagg, give Gar- uh, Garrett Rainus, give Gardner a cup. Garrett, Garrett? Garrett Gretzky McFly. Gretzky McFly. Oh my God. This is one of the worst ones I've ever done. Harrison Haskell, Hip Hip 89. Holosauce, Ian Rodriguez, Ian Usher, Jake B, James Masker, Jerry Marquez, JD, John Jacques Franquez, Jacques Jean, Jim, Jimmy Mack, John RC, John Shea, Johnny Thundercock, Jordan, Josh, Josh Kessebop, Justin Freeman, Christopher Florida, Christoph Berg. Going to the next page, Lazek, Gronowski, uh, uh, Lazek, Gronowski, Rones, uh, okay, Lou Giordano, Matthew Kahn, Meatball the Cat, Mike Buckle, Neil Grover, Nicholas Nicola, Pavel Perrier, Pascal Perrier, oh, what's going on, Pavel Kodarev, Pro World Tech's Gamer, Randy Tesser, Stigbobach, Swingard, Tommy, Thomas Welsh, Thomas Sinclair, Tom Ertz, Tom Ertz Jr., Tommy O'Neill, Tori from Hat, Upstate, Vinny Hay, Will Spector, and Witsa the Golden Retriever. It's been a rough ride for me naming names tonight i'm my apologies to all but thank you so much for supporting this show it means a lot to us ryan what you do this weekend thanks for asking patreon supporters who are somehow still here after an hour and 40 minutes of blue shirts breakaway with greg and ryan me uh since you know it's november 6th i went to the beach 
because we booked my friends and I, um, who've never really been camping before, we booked a uh, a campsite on the beach in Assateague Island. Now you probably don't know what Assateague Island is, but it's world famous and renowned for having wild horses. I know what you're thinking, Ryan. That sounds very cool. I agree. It did sound cool. They were able to book a campsite back in, I think, June, something like that. Usually you have to book six months in advance to get something. It's camping on the beach. When this first happened, I thought to myself, well, November, I mean, I could camp in the cold. I'm a cold person. I like that. We'll we'll make it work. We got to the beach. It was 82 degrees. November 6th. The world is going to end. But people were swimming, bathing suits, the whole thing. I had a great day at the beach. It was awesome. Here's the thing. Super relaxing night. Got lost in the fun. Uh, didn't clean up the way I was supposed to as a group. But you know, like I said, never been camping before. Uh, I'm used to camping around bears, you know, where you have bear boxes and, uh, bears, very scary. Uh, don't really want to fuck with bears. Super good advice. Like put all your food back in your car, make sure everything is cleaned up. I've been camping for a very, very long time, but keep a clean campsite a lot of the time. This time I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm out of my element. I'm on the beach. The moon's up. It's 60 degrees. It's November 6th. So we go to bed. Like, we clean up a little bit. And we accidentally left one bag out. One bag. And that one bag, my friends, had some food in it. Now, you might be thinking, Ryan, well, that can't be so bad. You're on a beach. Well, my friends, I woke up at uh, what I believe is like 1.18 a.m. after daylight savings. The Astros had just beaten the Philadelphia Phillies in the World Series. And outside my tent, staring face-to-face with me, is not one, not two, not three, but six wild horses my, trampling my campground. They stayed for a total of 45 minutes, and they uh, stomped the ground and ate everything we left out uh, in one bag, ripped it to shreds, uh, and slammed some cans, and... Uh, I was scared for my life. So all six of these horses eventually left. We cleaned up the campground. Uh, I felt super bad about it. Uh, did not, did not, it was a total accident. I would never do that on purpose. Uh, horses are, I never would want to hurt any of the horses or anything like that. Uh, so I hope they enjoyed some apples that were left out accidentally. Um, and that, that's a bit, that's it. But I have to tell you, waking up face to face with a horse Who's wild in your tent who's staring at you for about 35 minutes at 1 a.m. is not an enjoyable experience. So the next day we were supposed to take a walk to go see the horses. Well, you're supposed to stay 40 feet away from the horses. We were four feet or less and we saw them. If you ever get a chance to go to Ossetique, I'd highly recommend it. It is a super cool, really neat experience. Camping on the beach was awesome. The wild horses are cool. Please stay away and don't take pictures of them or feed them. Super important. Uh, I was a total accident on our end. Crazy time. Almost got stampeded by wild horses. But yet, I'm here to talk about Blue Shirts Breakaway yet again. So, without further ado, I survived. There it am again. Come full circle without further ado bullshit. Uh, we survived. We'll be back next week. See some of you on Saturday. And uh, maybe we'll we'll horse around, will we, while we watch the Nashville Predators and the New York Rangers. Funny joke, Ryan. See you guys next week. Love you guys. Bye.